Welcome to Practical Access. I am Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, today I think that we're really in a place where we need to start thinking about IEPs. I'm getting asked often about what, how do we make sure that we are meeting the needs of, of, of kids and, and, and these IEP goals in this new environment? Yeah, I'm not so sure that that's a, just a new environment issue, Becky. I think it's always one that people struggle with in general. And I think one of the things we try to talk about is that, you know, even great co-teaching, you want to make sure you're not just being another general ed teacher, uh, but you're really making those IEPs a living and breathing document. And I, I think my first thought there is making sure that, that we have some kind of matrices or some kind of image in front of us as we're online reminding ourselves that I'm working, if, whether I'm a PT, an OT, occupational therapist, physical therapist, or a special ed teacher, this kid needs help with blank. Because I might be signing on and off with kids every 15 minutes. So I think first off, we have to make sure that document has life um, in our minds and that we're sharing the life of that document, again, with parents who have signed it, but again, they're busy, and with the other service providers that might be working with them. That's kind of my first thought is that, that we really have to bring that document to life. That's a great point. I know that's something that, that we both try to share with teachers ongoing. It's not just a piece of paper that's filed somewhere, whether it's digital or hard copy. It, it should drive our actions every day. Well, this, this environment, um, I would say, while you're making that a living document, actually keeping really good anecdotal notes because everyone is expected to do you know attendance and all of these things right now but i think that it's got to be overwhelming i know it is for the teachers that i talk to to try to keep track of so many moving parts at once but at the end of the day the iep for a kid with disabilities is 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 that document that we need to safeguard the most so so reasonably speaking you know we are supposed to make every effort possible to reach out to students, but what do we do when we just cannot make that connection? So the, the biggest tip I would say is be sure you document every single attempt right now and every single way that you are trying to connect with students. Yeah. I know that's a real practical, you know, I'm sure people know that intuitively, but it's sometimes unless we sit down and really purposefully do that, I think it's easy to forget in these, these crazy times. Yeah. And you know, I, I, we definitely said one of the things these podcasts is we're not lawyers, nor do we want to go there. <laughs> um, but I do know there's like signatures going around with over a thousand signatures with, you know, please don't change the safeguards that are there. So I do believe we've got to remind ourselves, even in this online environment, students with disabilities deserve free and appropriate public education. And I think that's one of our greatest fears. And yet as a teacher, when you think about documenting, I kind of laugh, we always say, you know, teachers make 1300 decisions a day. And yet what's harder in that online environment is which tool to use to make that decision with. So I make a lot of rapid fire decisions to help that kid on this goal right now or not because they're ready for independence from that goal in the classroom. I think we should trust the online environment to allow us to do the same, but maybe we have to do more of that discussion with families. And a lot of my teachers say they're using like class dojo um, as a communication tool, remind. And I even love one of my teachers just said that she used class dojo with the translator 
um, and reminded parents through Google Translate that if you want to remind yourself of your kids' goals, you can actually have them translated in your language. She said it's not perfect, but the word independence kind of means the same across languages and saying that might be a keyword to work on. And so I think two things there, making sure that parents are helping us give feedback on those goals because they're seeing their kids more when it's possible if we can discuss with the parents. But I think the second thing is maybe really being very clear and specific of a single word that, that will really focus on that goal. Is it more words or is it bigger movements or is it instead of trying to say the goal is three times a week to do the following. I think that's a lot for people in this online world. Agreed. And I've been doing a lot of um, I've been, you know, looking around for guidance from from different sources, of course, um, the, the, the DOE, <laughs> um, for one, as well as the Council for Exceptional Children, et cetera. And uh, in, in one of the, the um, briefs sent out by the DOE, it was very early on in, the, in March, they, they did say that we have to develop a process to communicate with parents and, and guardians regarding their child services. And I think that's that process and this idea of creating this process and thinking about, you know, we, we, we did a lot of things in March to make sure that we got up and running, but as it looks like things are gonna be shut down in our schools longer, obviously, than we thought, we do need to backtrack, I think, and make sure that things are being done procedurally. So um, I, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not gonna be surprised, Lisa, if, if having plans for for distance learning doesn't become a, a part of the IEP in the future and knowing in advance how we're going to serve the needs of these kids. So you're talking a lot about the things that are like front and center right now. And I agree wholeheartedly, make it easy so that it's consumable and something that we can do um, and actionable. And the other side of that is let's think about what this means for us long term, because what we put in place right now and what we start to kind of vet in terms of what's working and whatnot, it may, may end up being in the IEPs in the future. Yeah, I think one of the things we both always say is stop writing stupid goals. Yeah. You can't measure them. You don't know what they are. You aren't sure you can deliver them. This is a really good time to reevaluate and say, what could I do online versus what could I do face-to-face? -face? I think a lot of families would appreciate. I know one of our colleagues said, you know, she had six, uh, six people visit her son for IEP goals this week. That's a lot of people. And yet if those six people aren't communicating and the parent is trying to work at home, we have real empathy for trying to figure all that out. And that's where I think simple matrix, we share it across people. I love the, the app Goalbook to kind of share. And yet I think the one thing that I keep hearing, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, is you know, in Florida, we've exempt people from the state test. That's not true in a lot of states. And so teachers are like, not only do kids have to meet the goal, I still have to meet the standard. And I know that's something we're gonna talk about in a future podcast is rigor, but how do we ensure that those kids are ready with those IEP goals as they maybe move into state testing in this very unknown world uh, of COVID-19? Well, I think that comes down to access to that standards-based instruction. And I think that's something that, you know, again, as you mentioned, so many different um, people surveying kids with disabilities and now in this online environment, people are, parents are getting, you know, an email from this person, an email from that person, an email from this person. And it, and it's, and it can feel very disjointed. So, so for those schools and districts that are really focusing on, on how do you take that IEP and not only make it a living document, but almost make it a, uh, an, an interactive 
that links you right out to the, the teacher or the therapist, et cetera, from a single, from a single place. Um, and in terms of the, the instruction then, it is, well, where are we linking them for him to get this exact content lesson? And if it's not being delivered somewhere, ideally that's a link to that child's gen ed teacher. But if, if, if we can't find out a way to link the child up to that, I would be looking at, at things like out school. I'd be looking at all, all around to find uh, standards-based lessons to make sure that we are providing access because at the end of the day, providing access is, is, is what we're legally expected to do. Yeah, it sounds like a great uh, tech startup company or something that says, hi, you know, I'm, I'm blank. And uh, I want to remind you in the last session, your child did this because it does seem like some of that in the future, if we could automate it, we could certainly change the world. We're not there yet, but this podcast is about dreaming about the future as well as living in the present. So any last thoughts there for me? I guess the last thought is, is again, kind of a core value is communicate, communicate, but don't, we've got to, we cannot expect the parent in this time of stress for everybody, um, especially the working parent, the parent who might not speak the language, to be the person who could put all this together. I think it's something as professionals we have to figure out a system within our system to do that, whether it means reaching out. And that's the best news I keep hearing is many of the teachers say the best thing that has happened is they do have time to communicate. So I don't know what that tool is, whether it's a Google Doc, a spreadsheet, a simple matrix, but to me that seems to be what we really have to do if we're gonna have faith and really bring the IEP to life. Um, I, I think so as well, Lisa, and I think it's time for us just as an educational community to, to look at our peers and see who, who, ha who has the skills to do these kind of things and to make some, some interactive documents for us and, and, and just get on board with the idea of let's, let's all collaborate. We have a big team of people here to serve kids. Let's figure out who can do it. Let's just start building it now so that we will have a process ready in the future. And I always look back to our early childhood. You know, they have inner... Uh, family service plans. They've always served the family t as a team. I think that's what the IEP needs to look like more in this online environment. I think so as well. Yeah, so we look forward to uh, you posting any questions you might have and putting them on Twitter at Access Practical. And we thank you for joining us today on Practical Access.